Welcome to Reactive. I'm Henning, and I'm here with Raquel. Hi! Hello, as well as Khalil. Hello. Hello, hello. Sorry I missed last week. Um, but thank you right. for carrying on with consistency without me. So that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the big question is, of course, did you win? Um, I mean, well, I, am, I guess... I say yes, yeah. but you don't know... If that is, you know, who's saying that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, given that the world is still kind of in a shambles, my guess is that Evil Henning just got away. And so you'll have to <laughs> battle him again later. Most so, likely, yes. Uh, he will all right. Service. Well, <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp. Yeah. But anyway. So How are you guys doing? Good. Doing all right. I went... I went on a little vacation up into Northern California and got to uh, explore some really gorgeous California nature. Um, so remember, everyone, there is a world outside of your computer screen. Go look at it. Did that involve the Redwoods by any chance? It did not, actually. Um, I went to a couple of different waterfalls. Ah, um, yes, I saw some Instagram posts. Yes. Of- very nice. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's, it's been it was really really beautiful, and I'm really glad I went. And oh, I saw that too. Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I'm still figuring out Instagram. I'm not quite as as you know savvy at it as I am with Twitter, but I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. My husband this morning was like, "So how many Instagram followers do you have?" And I was like, "Uh." 24 <laughs> <laughs> which you know is is pretty good it's pretty good bad. um you know so i'll 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 get there i'll get there my 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 twitter follower account is a little bit a little bit higher uh, a few orders of magnitude yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit higher but it's fine it's fine it's totally fine uh, but hey, yeah you tell those people that you are on instagram I'm just still really annoyed that I don't have my regular username (laughs) on Instagram because someone else took Rockbot and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grumpy about it. It's fine. It's It's terrible. Anyway. But yeah, what else is going on? Uh, Yeah, so. I'm going to say something. I'm just going to call this my uh, manifesto. And I'm sorry, Raquel, but um, according to my manifesto, you're biologically not able to be on this podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I I only witnessed this whole thing like on the periphery, but holy cow. What are the details on this? I caught wind of it on Thursday. I know that it became national or maybe international news uh, over the weekend. Um, But basically what happened is some dude at Google, and I'm going to go with dude because he's definitely a guy. um, Some dude at Google wrote a whole manifesto about how uh, diversity and inclusion and quotas and all that stuff is... BS because, uh, you know, he, he studied biology and he can say for a fact 
that women are simply less attuned to being in, in technical fields. And that's why we don't have more women in, say, engineering or engineering management or in engineering leadership, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, obviously we should we should stop trying to force something that that shouldn't be forced. It's just biological. And so I'm sorry, but I'm somehow dumber than the two of you. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was an internal thing I hear that then sort of, yeah, obviously caught attention and then was leaked outside and, hmm? you know, for <laughs> obvious reasons went went viral. So I heard just a, a snippet of what um, there was a, a show on the radio while I was driving to lunch, basically saying that uh, Google, you know, took some actions based on that, but I didn't know what they were. Did this person get fired or what, what's yes. the story? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, dude got fired. Dude got fired mm -hmm. real hard. Um, but here's the, here's the big but. There were people who agreed with him and at least internally to Google publicly agreed with him. Uh, but they are still working at Google as far as we know. So, uh, hmm. yeah, the conversation I heard was all about free speech. And there was a bunch of people that were basically, you know, saying that you can't say anything more or you have to be so super careful at work what you say. But I mean, this is like, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really take a genius to understand that this makes it for a hostile and, and like non workable work environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, so how can that be? considered acceptable right and I, I guess i mean in my opinion they took the right steps there or or maybe they were just forced to because it was such a you know public thing that would be you know incredibly sad but mm. um yeah it's it's insane <laughs> it's like wow yeah nice man nice manifesto Khalil. <laughs> <laughs> so raquel i'm sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, though, though, uh, I, I think, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it, it's fair to say that we all believe that this is total crap and not yes. actually real. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely, it definitely throws things into a big mess, a big loop, uh, of, of bad. I mean, so to all the free speech people, um, you're right. You know what? You're allowed to say whatever it is that you want. Now that said, free speech does not mean free of consequences. And um, when a company values uh, inclusivity and diversity and um, wants to maintain a safe, hostile, free work environment, and you say something that's uh, extremely clearly misogynistic like that, um, you're gonna like it's it's totally within the perfect right of a company to fire you. Um, and uh, at least that's how I feel about it. And um, frankly, like, like if you were to change the word woman with literally any other segment of the population, literally any other one, uh, people would be like, whoa, that's not okay. Um, but because, you know, well, biology and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, no, there are so many studies that prove that that is so not even remotely accurate. Uh, and, uh, 
And you know what? I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I refuse to work for Google. They have asked me many times. They've tried to recruit me many times. And every time I'm like, nope, I will not work at your bro factory. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, it's not quite as bro factory as Uber, which I have an update on Uber, by the way. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, Google could hypothetically pay me enough money to come work for them. Uber could never pay me enough money to work for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still probably wouldn't work for Google. But to me, it's just so hard to understand or even like put myself in in this this sort of like I have a hard time understanding and believing that this type of and I'm not saying it doesn't. Obviously, it does. But it's just I can't fathom it that there are people like this that are supposedly intelligent that say these kinds of things and put it in writing and try to circulate this kind of stuff. I mean, it's insane. Mm. But it exists. It's it's really I don't know. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I, th- there's a there's every now and then there there are some discussions being had uh, being had in in these kind of uh, in the f- form of the internet or or the society in America or in German society or whatever that um, that are kind of um, no brainers. To me, also since like these, I always feel like when something like that comes up, <clears throat> these are kind of um, conversations that I had in school when we were learning, you know, how society works and how what is, uh, or you know, w- w- how the world is, kind of, and it, this is not anything that needs to be discussed anymore to me like it's, it's just so <laughs> so weird and then there's this whole like oh my god somebody wrote this and then everybody's like yes and then everybody else is like no you're stupid and then he gets fired and then there's this whole thing now about days and days where we discuss this and we have to explain why this is wrong and it's just like i'm flabbergasted i really don't know what to say i can't I can't even. I can retweet something on Twitter. I can't even chime in on every anything because I don't understand. Like, where, how do you even? Where do you even begin? Why do we even have to discuss this? I don't understand this. Like, this is so far removed from where we should actually be as a society that, like, I have really I have a hard time to even get involved in any thing on the internet. Especially, yeah, that's ex- especially extremely on, well put. Yeah, especially. <clears throat> Uh, on Twitter and stuff because that's not the place to discuss this anyway. It's more like something that you would have to have in-person uh, discussions or something. And uh, Because then everything also gets heated and then uh, everybody is just in front of their keyboards and enraged and, and, and this, this like, there's no real communication. It's just um, outrage on all mm-hmm. sides. And then that's senseless anyway but then at the same time I'm standing at the sidelines and I'm like why is this even happening like there are really bigger problems than this and there and it is a answered question like this is not something that needs to be discussed but mm-hmm. yeah um, exactly that's yeah. the thing it's like flabbergasted is one is a good word and I have like nothing to say about it because it's so ridiculous I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know I, there's no, it's like not an argument and what exactly. <laughs> but it is it is like something that people think is one so it's very very strange to me 
I think the part that that uh, we're all you know seeing here is like it just it keeps happening. It keeps coming yeah. up, and it's like really. But Khalil, I think I think you said something really interesting there, where, which was you learned in school that this is not okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I on like looking on my own personal education, I can think of maybe three classes that I took that encouraged me to start thinking about outside of just me, myself and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were in my private boarding school that I went to in high school. Like my public school education beyond maybe kindergarten didn't really talk about how we treat each other differently and how we should be treating each other better and things like that. Like we simply did not have those conversations. Um, and, and like, I'm going to refrain from going further than that, but I have deep opinions about the American education system. And Mm. I think this is a huge part of it. Um, some information has been uh, leaked about the person who wrote the manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, this is not new. This is not a new thing for this person. Apparently mm-hmm. when, when he was in university, um, he was part of a skit that was particularly inflammatory to the point where the university had to uh, put out a written apology for even letting it happen in the first place, because it was just so like, against the the ethos of the university so like this guy is not this is not new for this dude um you know so he's felt this way for a long time okay fine like you can go on believing that the sky is green like fine (laughs) i'm not gonna argue with you on this anymore because you are just so incredibly wrong that i'm not gonna meet you halfway um but you know what what am I supposed to do? I don't, there's not really much for me to do except to continue engaging in the exact same conversations over and over and over again, which I, I mean, y'all are exhausted. So am I. Um, and it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is and I don't know how to fix it. Um, I just really wish that there were more people who also were just like, this is so not even like a discussion topic. Like this is, how is how is this even up for discussion is really the big question that I think should be more often said. But sadly, throughout my various networks, I'm hearing about a bunch of people who are like, well, you know, he had a point on this front. And it's like, no, no, this entire thing should just be completely er- eradicated from history. Like, I don't care if he was even like 5% right, 1% right. That is not reason to even like this whole thing should just disappear and if we want to talk about that 1% of, of topics that he brought up that had some merit, fine, you bring that up separately, but not as part of this. It's just, it gives too much truth to it at all. And I don't know, I saw an article from the CEO of YouTube. Um, YouTube is owned by Google, um, but the CEO of YouTube is a woman. Um, and so she wrote an article that I thought was actually interesting and in that she opened up by saying... Um, that her daughter came to her one day and said, so, so I heard, I heard from somewhere that people are saying that, that girls just are biologically incapable of being as smart as boys. Is that, is that true? Right. And it's like the, this, this woman, her, her whole point was like, you know, 
I know what I walked into when I came, when I, when I like went into tech and when I, you know, cut my teeth in tech and eventually became CEO of a tech-based company. Like I know what it's like to be a woman in tech. I deal with it every single day. And, you know, I'm not even going to label all the different things that uh, she and I and many, uh, pretty much most other women in tech have had to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, But like, she's like, I signed up for this. I know what I walked into, but I always told myself that if I made it better for my daughter, then she wouldn't have to deal with this. But now what I'm seeing is that it's leaking and it's affecting the next generation too. And that's not okay. Like, it's not okay that she has to deal with it in the first place, but the fact that it's, it's not being fixed. And now she has to explain to her daughter that no, that's totally wrong. Um, You know, you are capable as much as anybody else of doing all of these things. And that's like, don't pay attention to that. But now that's even more work, you know, it's like, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) This is not the environment that we want the next generation to grow up in. Why do we keep bringing this up? Yeah, I think maybe we've talked about this before, but I have observed this with my own kids. And it's really, we don't know or don't understand where it comes from. But especially my son, who's eight, does sometimes come home and not so much anymore because we've talked to him a lot about it. But he basically says, you know, right, mommy or daddy, girls can't do this or boys are better at X than than girls. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, like, where on earth does this come from? So it starts really, like really, really early. And, mm-hmm. and I guess, you know, it's the parents responsibility on the one hand to set the record straight. And maybe if that doesn't happen or maybe if there's reinforcement in the wrong direction, that's where this kind of stuff, you know, originates and then just keeps on going and building um, education is, you know, in schools is certainly another factor. But for some reason, you know, there's there's early on there is competition between the sexes. And if that's not I mean, we've we've been very, very careful to explain that girls are, you know, perfectly capable in, in many cases better at things than boys are. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so like yeah no that's not correct so it's um yeah but it's uh, it is it is very it is very upsetting because you know i have two daughters and just like the story you just told i don't want them to have to deal with this crap right yeah but, um, yeah yeah exactly <sighs> yeah so anyway is there anything more uh, comforting and, and more positive we can talk about? <laughs> oh, okay. We can talk about Uber. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, um, so apparently Uber is going to be getting out of the, uh, the leasing business. So in some countries, Uber, so at least in the United States, um, Uber and Lyft, et cetera, they, they require that the drivers provide their own vehicles. Um, and so, you know, that's part of the deal, but there are other countries where maybe uh, vehicle ownership is extremely expensive or whatever. And so Uber will lease cars to the drivers. So as a driver, you can say, Hey, I would like to be a driver with Lyft or with Uber. And, um, but I don't have my own car. So I will, I like, and then Uber will say, Hey, don't worry, we have cars. So you can just lease it from us. And then, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe some percentage of wages or something goes towards the lease of the car, whatever, fine. Um, well, Singapore is one of those countries. 
And I think one of the reasons why they might be getting out of this business is because it turns out last week, um, a bunch of cars, Uber leased cars in Singapore caught fire um, because there was a manufacturing defect in them and they were recalled. The manufacturers recalled these vehicles, but Uber was like, nah, it's fine. We don't have to send back the, re- we don't have to, we don't have to do this right now. Um, and as a result, a uh, bunch of Uber cars caught fire. So, um, literally burning it to the ground. I just want this company to burn, <laughs> burn to the ground. Yeah, that's, wow. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> One thing after the other, it's it's really, yeah. it's it's quite remarkable, actually. It just amazes me. It amazes me how they continue to just, like, I'm I'm waiting. Oh oh, and the other thing was, uh, they in their search for a woman CEO, they have ended up with four white dudes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> they're working real hard, real, real hard. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like maybe maybe people don't want to work there. I mean, it's yeah. it's really, I don't know why you would want to work there. Don't either. Other than other than you know maybe okay, it's Still a money. challenge to turn things around and make it great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe the money. I don't know. Maybe the money. Just maybe. True. Maybe. <laughs> so that's what I've got. Nice. <laughs> Clue, what else is on your, uh, what else have have you experienced this week? What are the cool things? Experienced. um, Or, you know, what what, what else is new? What else is up? Well, it looks like uh, Apple finally starting to implement service workers into WebKit, Hmm. which is fairly big news, I would say, because, um, yeah, I mean, that's massive news because that means that if they actually, so if they, so apparently it's already, so there's a service worker object already in uh, Safari Nightly. So they really, really, really are working on it. And that means that if service workers actually end up being in uh, iOS Safari next, well, by the end of the year or whenever it is in there, and that would mean that progressive web apps uh, would actually really work on iOS. And it would also mean that the market for progressive web apps would suddenly explode from, you know, high-end Android phones, which are, I don't know how many millions or billions or whatever. But I, I don't know. Even, <laughs> even like, uh, I mean, so so the thing is really... Progressive web apps work really best on the on the you know latest iPhone uh, Android phones currently, right? Because mm-hmm. they have the newest Google operating system on the Android operating system on there, and and I don't really know you know and there's just there's I mean there's trillions <laughs> I, don't know, I'm, I, I have no numbers I don't know but a lot of Android phones out there but most of them um, are stuck on some some old Android version and. Um, older phones worldwide and so i don't really know you know if they're really that much more uh modern android phones out there compared to the iphones and the iphones i don't know they're like how many million 200 million or 
something. And mm -hmm. the thing is with, with iPhones is that iPhone users typically um, continuously keep upgrading their um, operating system. So, you know, mm -hmm. something like 70% of the iPhone users upgrade their, uh, their, their OS as soon as it comes, it comes out, which would mean once service worker is in there, then you suddenly have a huge market of iPhone users um, that are capable of um, using progressive web apps properly in, on their phones, which uh, could mean that this, this um, that just progressive web apps um, as a business idea, opportunity could make really Re can make real sense now, right? Mm. <clears throat> Which means that people, because there's, there's, I mean, there's still lots of apps that you can't do just with, uh, with the web, but there's um, many more apps that, that are totally fine being done just as a web app. And, uh, and then if you can do it as a progressive web app and it feels just like a native app and it's, so to speak, installable on your phone, then um, yeah that would that would be amazing because you really just have to write one web app uh, for all the phones and you don't have to bother with iOS uh, or, I mean with Swift or Objective-C anymore and no Java for Android and stuff and uh, yeah, many many use cases can could be handled with that that being said, I just listened to, uh, I just saw a talk on the last Karlsruhe.js that I uh, co-organized. And um, uh, Robert Mena, who is the organizer of Berlin.js, he gave a really interesting talk about um, progressive web apps in real life, so to speak, because he was involved in a project where they were uh, building a pro progressive web app for um, for a client in, in Africa. And... Uh, to help with, I think, diabetes, battling diabetes or something. And they have very unique kind of uh, uh, requirements over there, of course, because they also, their internet is not very good. And <clears throat> and, um, and what they wanted to use is, uh, is, for instance, they also wanted to use things like push notifications. And on Android, supposedly, uh, there is a push notification API for progressive web apps and that ended up being too complicated and not stable enough for them to really rely on it. So they actually had to use PhoneGap in the end because they really wanted, they really needed those uh, notifications. <laughs> and so there's all this stuff is really um, still in the making. And also, using Service Worker is basically you're handling, uh, you, you're manually handling a cache in your, you know. Uh, in your phone, in in the phone, and and there's lots of gotchas there, and lots of kind of tips and tricks that he mentioned there. Uh, it's not very straightforward. It's all very complicated still, and it's also not 100% consistent. And then also one thing is that uh, users don't understand that they don't that they can't get the app in the app store. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if they're not technically very savvy, then then because they are so programmed to, to get the apps in the App Store, they don't understand that they just have to go to a website and then, uh, and then you know, save it to the home screen. <clears throat> that being said, there's uh, apparently an effort 
to to put progressive web apps into the apps in the Google into the Google Play Store and kind of so that you can install so to speak install them through Google Play uh, and so there's a lot of these kind of things surrounding the technology of just service worker that you kind of need in order to really make this a thing that people will be able to adopt and uh, we'll see how much you know Apple is willing to do uh, in that area Google is I think really really trying cuz cuz they just want they just want the web to win kind of uh, mm-hmm. it's, that's important to them uh, and their is aligned with their business interests and it might be might not be that well aligned with Apple's business interests so there's lots of gotchas and little edge cases and things but it is definitely um, it's awesome that they are starting to implement it and uh, it could mean uh, that progressive web well, apps are just going to be um, more ubiquitous or uh, more people will consider um, implement, uh, yeah, using that instead of a native app which would be great cool very cool. Yep. I'm sure Apple will figure out how to to make money on it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the big question. Good to them. Um, well, yeah. And maybe maybe if you want to put it into the App Store, maybe you'll have to you'll have to pay money for that or something. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. it's big news. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, other than that, there is. Um, so I, I saw this really cool little tweet um, by uh, somebody that I don't know, um, and it said one of my students got sick of the rest of the class and started meditating. <laughs> There's a really cool, <laughs> really cool picture <laughs> of the little of that that guy, little guy, uh, just sitting there meditating while while the, there are some. Some classmates, some girls around him, just like laughing and and making fun and stuff. But it's just, I just thought that this is so cool that this guy, that this boy, um, that that's his reaction. I was posting the link into um, into <laughs> Reactive uh, Slack. That that that's his reaction. I just thought it was so cool because I think that um, in meditation. You know, if when you remove all the uh, all this all the religious and all the spiritual crap, and you just look at it scientifically, meditation is an incredible tool in order to deal with um, with stress, in order to deal with you know uh, sleep depri- deprivation or um, uh, yeah, just just you know. Or when you are when you're nervous, or when you're anxious, it's an incredible tool to to get yourself grounded somehow. And it's I have I haven't found anything else that does it that well. And uh, if you do it on a regular basis, it really like it, it helps you in your life in general. And it's, it's 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 a powerful tool. And I think that that it's it should be something that kids learn. Uh, you know, as, as in like, here is a tool that you can use 
you know, when you're getting really angry or annoyed or stressed or whatever in order to get into a better state again, you know. And, uh, and apparently this, uh, the parents of, of this boy, they're doing it, and it's, uh, it's really, really awesome. And that, that is really cool. I mean, it's, it's a great picture. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I'm not questioning that he's meditating or not, but I, I think that that is, you're right, it's, it's awesome if the parents are trying to teach him that and he's actually making use of it. Yeah. And I can only confirm that it really is something that, um, you know, even I'm not doing it regularly anymore, but... There was a time, uh, it was very stressful around the sort of the birth of my, my third child. And um, I remember actually sitting in the, in the parking lot um, before going in to visit my, my wife that had to have surgery then. And uh, I used one of the, um, what's called the emergency packs in, in Headspace. Mm -hmm. And it basically walks you through like an emergency situation and brings you down. And it's, it was, it works. It's amazing. Yeah, it <laughs> so I can wow. only confirm that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, Headspace, we, I think we talked about that before here as well, but mm -hmm. it has these, um, basically, you know, you go through various uh, programs that are sort of ongoing and have multiple you know, sessions, 10 or 20 or whatever the number is. And then there's these one-off things for, for, uh, yeah, emergency situations yeah, exactly. that, uh, various things that you can, you can choose to, you know, take a minute or two and I'll just walk you through some, some exercises and you really do feel better afterwards. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I stumbled across this article called titled uh, JavaScript for people who hate JavaScript. And <laughs> that is a really good article by um, Zach Holman, who used to be, uh, who used to work at GitHub back in the day. Now he founded a company called During, a new kind of calendar to help you during your day. And he wrote this article about JavaScript, uh, about how he basically came out of um, uh, he was a Ruby and Rails programmer, and but he also always had to deal with JavaScript in some way, and uh, he's he's been following. And but he was, you know, he really loved Ruby, and uh, he always felt high and mighty about being a Ruby programmer and stuff. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he he is he's he saw this progression that you know happened in the in the JavaScript world and all. The frameworks and tools and everything that happened, and um, and so he's he's he ended up now using a combination of things that he now really enjoys, or where that make him enjoy using JavaScript, which is uh, basically using React as a framework. That is kind of something that clicked for him, and uh, and then um, that c combined with Prettier, which is. Prettier is this tool that automatically completely formats your JavaScript, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so what's what's interesting about Prettier compared to uh, ESLint or something is that um, ESLint can shows you you know uh, uh, lint errors and can also fix some of them. And with Prettier, what Prettier does is that it takes the JavaScript code. It doesn't matter at all how you write it whatsoever you don't need to write semicolons and you don't need you can indent spaces 
or not. It doesn't matter. It don't indent at all. It does has absolutely doesn't matter at all. It doesn't care because it then goes ahead, parses your JavaScript, and creates this AST um, thing, which is I forgot what it is. It's an abstract version of the code. Um, and then just completely rewrites all your code. It just reformats it, like all of it, and puts the semicolons where they belong and everything. And lots of people have been uh, uh, using that because it's, you really just don't, don't have to think about anything anymore. There's no discussions about style, code style, or anything. You can write it <coughs> however you want, and you press save, and then it's correctly formatted. And so he likes that. And then on top of that, he wants a typing, uh, some sort of a typing, like TypeScript or Flow. And um, what he also thought was really, really useful and changed something, changed a lot for him was Create React App, which is this uh, CLI tool that allows you to create a React project uh, plus all the stuff like building your code, code splitting, um, the CSS stuff, whatever, like there's just no thinking involved anymore. It's just like everything's there. You can just start your project. So, and um, it was cool. Uh, it's just, it's, it's very funny how he's, uh, he's a good writer, very funny writer. And <clears throat> it's interesting uh, to see this perspective and this kind of uh, progression. So I uh, definitely um, recommend it. It's a good read. So this is the book or the blog post by him? That's the... Uh, that's the book. Oh, sorry, that's a blog post. The blog post. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, what, what yeah, I'd like to read about? that. Um, no, you said something about a. Is this so? The the title of the blog post was what you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. JavaScript for people yeah, okay. who hate JavaScript is the title of the Got blog it. post. Exactly. Okay. Yep. I don't know why I thought it was a book. Um, <laughs> could be. A, no, interesting a to hear those. Title. Yes, exactly. Um, interesting to hear those. Um, uh, arguments or what what he says about it because we're going through similar things. I'm I'm trying to basically talk to all the the devs on my team and and sort of figure out where they're at in their in their journey and what sort of tools they use because we have multiple people remote, multiple people at different offices, etc. And some are on Windows, some are on Macs, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, basically trying to. Uh, get everyone on the same page as far as what expectations are. And one thing I started doing is basically dictating what the, the coding standard was, and everybody just has to agree to that. It's a publicly known standard. And again, for those same reasons, you know, say there's everybody has to compromise a little bit, and that's just what it's going to be. And you'll get used mm -hmm. to the curly braces being on the same line and an if statement over time. <laughs> I did too. I hated it at first, but you know, now I just don't care. It's like, <laughs> uh, you know, all these, these these discussions about um, we actually had one in our company Slack uh, yesterday about you know Windows versus Mac and what kind of keyboard and it's just funny to 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 watch these kind of conversations about you know them arguing about keyboard button uh, travel and all this kind of stuff that we've discussed and it basically comes down to right is whatever tool works for you and you can be productive with and it then it doesn't mm -hmm. matter and, it, and it's like there is no one that is better than the other. And I mean, I felt myself being tempted to um, chime in and stuff, but it's like, nah, I'm just going to watch from the sidelines. <laughs> but, I mean, there was, there was one guy that likes to work on a, uh, on a split keyboard, you know, so he has like 
literally he's ha- his hands are like 50 centimeters apart one part of the mm-hmm. keyboard is there and the other keyboard is over there and I'm like okay yeah. if that works for you and that's how you type great you know it doesn't yeah, mean it's better or worse than, than a mm-hmm. conventional one you know um yeah just it's funny yeah yeah for me it's the same thing like whoever like it doesn't matter what you use the only thing that to me matters is that everybody writes the same code like the code mm-hmm. needs to be like something like prettier or ESLint or something it needs to be uh needs to be used because then it doesn't matter what you use but everybody who looks at the code sees the same code no matter where in the project you look and that i think is worth more than gold all the rest like who cares what people use exactly yeah like, the one things that yeah you shouldn't be arguing about is and then everybody just compromise because it does it it sort of um supports group productivity i think and my argument that i always try to make and is, is essentially that you know you spend more time reading code and usually other people's code than actually writing it uh so it, it's it is actually important how things look and not not necessarily how they look but it's just what you said that they're consistent across the board so you don't have to yeah. constantly have your brain do a headstand and yeah, it's surprising exactly. how 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 uh, distracting it can be i mean some people are worse than our <laughs> more affected than others um, <laughs> i'm really one of those that if it's not formatted the way it is according to the standard and what i'm used to it sort of irritates me and and i can see myself mm-hmm. being like distracted by that yeah, and totally. what you said too is like if we could just push a button, which we can now in normal or you know modern IDEs, it's like a non-issue anymore. And uh, and it is so. it is distracting, and you just re- distracting, and you just remove that distraction completely exactly. when there is some sort of agreement and some enforcing um, before it goes into the Git repository or something. When when that's when that's a given, then then th- this distraction is completely removed because everybody knows exactly what to expect when they look at a piece of code. And and they are also, after a few weeks, they're also used to writing that code themselves. So, yep. you know, so, <clears throat> so this is just complete, this is just a layer of dis- distraction, a layer of cognitive load completely removed. And yep. the more you can do that, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are the arguments, and I also all, all a lot or many times sort of refer to one of those talks that um, Yehuda Katz gave, and basically cite where he cites all those studies, you know, about the finite amount of decisions that your brain can efficiently make per day. Yes, you know, good plus or minus depending yeah. on who you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So yeah, if if you can offload a bunch of stuff, do it. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, Indeed. So we're moving. Um, we're moving my team to uh, to sprints next week. So that's exciting. Oh, I'm very very curious to see how that goes. Um, so we're we're announcing that and going to have that process take place and hopefully start our actual have our first sprint planning meeting next Wednesday and. Um, Sort of the driving factor behind that is this more consistency and um, better visibility and sanity into everybody knowing what they're supposed to be doing, what their you know priorities are, and for me to 
have a better handle on um, what people are doing. And uh, so I'm very, very curious to, to experience this. So the, the, um, the dev team that um, we're basically merging with or that is, is, you know, becoming part of the organization that we're in, they've, they've been in this for years. We're sort of more in, in startup mode and uh, not quite as organized. So I'm looking forward to less chaos, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So you, you guys are doing that already, right, Khalil, you said? Uh, no, we, yeah, we had, we have sprints, but they're kind of uh, pro forma. They're not really in the scrum uh -huh. sense uh, sprints. Yeah. This is just uh, every week, um, the, yeah, our, our boss basically just uh, puts a bunch of tasks into the Kanban board, and we, we oh, it really, is Kanban. We okay. really use Kanban actually. The mm -hmm. sprint stuff is just kind of for organizational reasons, and yeah, in order to uh, yeah, I don't know, to group tasks or something. Um, yeah, we're not really doing uh, Scrum at all, which I'm okay. very happy about. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. We, we do we do, yeah. do uh retrospectives though. I don't know if that's part of Kanban uh or, or Scrum only, not sure, but we do that, which which I think is, is mm. very useful. And yeah. Uh, yeah, sprint plan like this plannings also happen, but it's not involving uh the developers, the developers at all. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Yeah, we do it's interesting because um you know, we're, we're hiring for a project manager, um, right now. And like in, as we were putting together the, the, the job description, um, at least I know that in the United States, I don't know about in other countries, but in the U S there is actually a, a, a project management professional certification that people can get. Um, and so I was like, do we want PMPs? Uh, you know, specifically for this, do we want scrum masters and all that stuff? And we were all like, no, 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 we are way not that formal. Um, we tried for a little while doing a little bit of an agile type thing where once a week we would, uh, the engineers would come together and the project manager would kind of come in and, and we'd like rate different tasks based on points which is like a fibonacci sequence of like one two three or five or seven or whatever and then um at the end of the week we would have a retrospective and blah blah and and what i took from that was the rigidity of agile and scrum and you know name your favorite favorite one here um was not useful for our, our very tiny team it actually slowed us down quite significantly um but that there were a lot of really useful tools that are used in the really um, hardcore uh, agile and scrum techniques. So like um, being able to say, like knowing how to separate tasks out, that's a good skill to have. Um, knowing how to do a, a proper retrospective was is also really useful. Um, one of the kind of more interesting things that I've recently started doing in one of uh, one of my projects is every week we have a um, like a weekly technical implementation sync up, which we hadn't done until 
you know, a few months into the project because we just didn't think we would need one. But then actually being able to sit down and talk with the engineers, okay, what's happening? And having the discussion of, um, you know, well, what can we, so like every two weeks we have like a little demo in front of um, the, the stakeholders, the project stakeholders. In this case, we're redoing our website. And, um, and so we have the web team kind of working on stuff. And then every two weeks, the CTO and the CEO um, kind of check in and see how we're progressing. And so the weekly sync ups are an opportunity for me to go, okay, well, what are we going to demo in two weeks? And it's less of like a, like a, a you know, two week sort of sprint, but really just more of a, well, what, what can we accomplish in time to give them a demo and something that they can actually see and be excited about? Because if you spend the full two weeks just working on frameworky stuff, like they don't get to see anything. And so as far as they're concerned, nothing has happened, even though the frameworky stuff is absolutely important, but it helps kind of plan things a little bit better. We can be like, okay, well, we can knock out the profile page probably in a couple of days, which will give us another three days um, or like give us the rest of, you know, three plus five, eight days to work on some frameworky bits. Right. And so like, then like we've still accomplished all these things, but when, we show it off, then they see the, the new profile page. And like, yay, profile page, this is really cool. Like, it's really exciting to see stuff. And then what's really awesome is that once you finish up the framework bits, then over the course of the project, it looks like velocity just increases exponentially, right? Because suddenly there's nothing in your way. You can just build pages, build pages, build pages. And so like, you know, the first week it was like, well, we have uh, a package page. And then the second week, it was like, we have sign-in and login uh, and log out and the package page and this. And then, like, the next time, it's going to be like, well, now we have, you, you know, ability to create orgs and this and this and this and this and this. And they're like, oh, my God, you're moving so much fast. How is this happening? And, of course, you know, I just look amazing because, like, I've, you know, <laughs> encouraged this team to, like, move fast and, you know, quickly and everything like that. But really, it's just a game of how do we how do we show off little bits and pieces every two weeks? Um so, you know, when we're looking for a project manager, we need somebody who's like really flexible like that too. Um, but I, I do think that at some point an organization becomes big enough that you need to have a little bit more formal structure around how to get work done. Um, but for a web team that is three people, it doesn't make sense to put all of that, all of those, uh, you know, machinery in place for that um so i don't know Th those well, are there's actually there's a lot of arguments that. for and against right and there's also yeah. examples uh and so this is an interesting interesting topic to me and could you elaborate on the rigidity comment and slowing mm -hmm. slowing you down like what what exactly happened yeah there or why oh yeah that? no i can totally talk about that so the the big issue um, for us was that we slowed things down significantly by requesting that the project manager break everything down into small tasks. And then, and then the engineers would take those individual tasks, like their stories, right? Like, um, you know, individual little things that were like, okay, um, implement this page or like implement this button, implement this banner. Uh, you know, put this thing onto this page or whatever. And it, it just became a to-do list as mm -hmm. opposed to, which 
makes sense for people who are maybe interns or um, it's their first or second year in like in, in software development, like, you know, I hate the word junior, but, you know, junior engineer or something like that, um, who are still learning, like, how do things work? What is important? How do I prioritize things? Like, that's that makes sense for people who don't know, like, how to software. Um, but at NPM, everybody is, like, has, like, multiple years of experience. They know how to software. It's just a matter of which pieces do we prioritize first? And so the chunks get, should be much bigger. I think the problem that we did was that we had too many tiny chunks. The chunks were too small. And so it became, all right, so you're going to do these five tasks and you're going to do these five tasks. And how long will those tasks take you? And then, you know, let's iterate because uh, you thought it would only take you a couple hours to implement that feature. It turned out to take 15 minutes. So maybe we should change our, you know, it, it was just, it became the rigidity of the structure requiring that we have that meeting and that we do it in that way. And that uh, then at the end of the week, we have this retrospective that had to work in this particular flow so that we could like, that was too dictatorial for so too much process wrapped around it. Like too, too much, much too much admin. It sounds like to me like too much admin work around the work, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We were doing too much work before we could actually do the work. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. whereas now it's much more of a, like, okay, here are the priorities. Let's like, what general pages can we get done within the next two weeks? Um, okay. That looks, that sounds like a really small project. This sounds like a bigger project. Why don't we knock the small one out so we can have that quick win. And then like, and it's just priorities. Like now the work that we do is 30 minutes a week of prioritization like okay mm -hmm. what's blocking you what's in your way uh you know what can we get done blah 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 blah. and it's that's it whereas like the other in the other process it was like three hours of meetings every week just to talk about the work that we were going to do as opposed mm -hmm. to actually <laughs> doing the work <laughs> yeah that, no, that makes that makes sense and i've, I've heard that argument too as, as yeah. to why you know you don't do or people prefer not to do one one week sprints because you basically double the meeting time right and right instead of doing yeah. it maybe once every two weeks you could do it every week and mm -hmm. it, the the thought of um the seniority or the experience level of the developers has sort of crossed my mind too is is if that plays into it because you know someone more experienced maybe doesn't need to have things laid out as clearly and in such detail as maybe someone that doesn't doesn't see the path forward right on their own, um, and that maybe needs a little bit more sort of intervention or or handholding, whatever you want to call it, without being right. mean, um, is to basically keep them on the most efficient path, right? Mm. Um, so, hmm, yeah. interesting things to think about. Yeah, one book to read that you might find interesting is um, "Turn the Ship Around." Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a book about China trying like using language, specifically using explicit language to enable a leader leader type of organization versus a leader follower. So leader follower is what you're, what you might kind of generally expect in terms of like leader tells the followers what to do. The followers do the thing. 
um, leader, leader is much more the leader asks the leaders, well, what needs to be done? How are things going? Um, and then the leaders say, okay, well, I own this. So I'm going to tell you how we're doing. Here's what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And like leader, leader goes all the way down to the point where even uh, an individual contributor says, I own this feature. So I'm going to tell you how it's doing. I'm going to tell you what's going on and tell you where I'm blocked and blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's not something, it's not something that you can do immediately. Like it's, um, but it, it, it's an interesting way of thinking about how to run an organization and things like that. And I'm not saying that this is what you should do, but that this might be an interesting book for you to read, to think about, you know, is this something that I would like in my organization or not um, compare, contrast, things like that. Yeah, this sounds very similar to what we talked about um, maybe two weeks ago, where mm -hmm. this article about how Facebook does things about maybe, you know, right. the personal personal responsibility or ownership of things and, and not this sense of, well, I was told to do this and I did it and now I'm done and somebody mm -hmm. else can figure out the rest, right? No, you own this thing. You are responsible for moving it from A to B or all the way to the end, essentially, and mm -hmm. basically fixing it if it's if something's wrong with it. And you're responsible for moving it forward. And um, that is a is a is a great concept. And and mm -hmm. um, that's where I want to get to. Uh, mm -hmm. I just don't know how to you know, teach people that. I guess it's like yeah. lead by example and, and encourage them, et cetera. So yeah, take a look at the book. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. I have opinions. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Cool. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Alrighty. All right, well, we're at the we're... end of the show, yeah. my friends. No. No. Uh, so. <clears throat> Uh, oh yes kick off the outro who's normally doing the first thing i think it's henning oh or? i do yeah. i mean well okay everybody should come hang out in our slack channel oh, yeah, right i mean yeah, that's, that's right. just that's just that's just a de facto like everybody should hang out in our slack channel because it's really cool in there um and there's actually been some really really cool conversation in there lately um or this week so definitely come join us in there you can access our our slack channel it's like a really simple invite. You don't have to like request an invite. You just get invited um, via our show notes, which you can find at reactive.audio. Right. And you can also find instructions there on how to leave us a review or rate us on, on iTunes or Apple podcasts is what I think they're calling it now. Um, so if you like the show, tell a friend, uh, tweet about it. Um, we have, I think there's always, isn't it, uh, you're still doing the reactivists uh, <laughs> mobilize or whatever it is in the Slack <laughs> channel. Basically, tell tell all the folks in the Slack channel to tweet about the the episode. So, mm. whatever helps to get uh, the word out about uh, this show would help us greatly. So, would be much appreciated. Yep. Yes, and we are Reactive Pod on the Twitters, and I'm Khalil tweets on the Twitters, and I'm H Gladigats on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I love how you have to pause, like, wait, wait. <laughs> I have to think about it. <laughs> it's so sad. Eight. Um, and I am, I am Rockbot on the Twitters uh, and Quackbot, which is Rockbot with a Q-U, uh, on, uh, on Instagram. But if anybody knows Rockbot on Instagram and can convince them to trade me, I promise that Quackbot is a super cool name. It's just not really mine. 
All right. Well, catch y'all next week. Bye. Bye.